Good morning. We do have a plan, really. We might just not look like we do, but we do. I do actually, I was thinking you almost don't need a sermon this morning. Um, thank you for the testimony, testimony, testimony. Um, sometimes testimonies like that are way better than the sermon. <laughs> Hope not, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, thank you, Dan, for reading that parable, which is an interesting one. Um, some versions say talent, some versions say bag of gold, depending on where you're reading from. And often it's used when we're talking about giving in the church. We've already done that. I saw you dropping your little talents into the bags earlier on. Um, it can be about that, but actually I don't think that's the central message here. I think the central message is really about stewardship of what God has given us, which might be money, might be other things as well. I think we'll find out in the course of the morning. It's mine, my precious, says Gollum, regarding the ring that he's hiding deep down in the cave and doesn't want to let go of. So much so that it becomes part of him. And he even gets confused. Is he talking about himself or is he talking about the ring when he says it's his and it's precious? We have a rather uneasy relationship with our possessions as human beings. I'm not necessarily talking about material ones either. It can be material. It can be our spiritual gifting, it can be all sorts of things. It can be our money, it's often our money. We don't like anything to do with giving it away. Um, Holman Bible Dictionary, this is talking about stewardship. Utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. That was a quote from the Holman Bible Dictionary. Then uh, there's a longer quote I'd like to give from Randy Alcorn. Stewardship isn't a subcategory of the Christian life. Stewardship is the Christian life. After all, what is stewardship except that God has entrusted to us life, time, talents, money, possessions, family, and his grace. In each case, he evaluates how we regard what he has entrusted to us and what we do with it. What he has entrusted to us. That parable, we have these three uh, men that the, the boss entrusts his wealth to when he's going away. Now, of course, we know that the boss, the master in this, is referring to God. The servants are us. And the gold is probably not gold at all, although it'd be kind of nice if someone did give us some bags of gold, but I don't think he's necessarily talking about gold or talents as a type of coin, a type of currency. Um, I believe that this parable is much, much wider than that. It's looking at everything 
as those two quotes have shown us, that we are entrusted with. And there's some stewardship mistakes made as we look through this parable by that third man. So, first of all, let's talk about percentages. I don't like figures and things. I'm hopeless at maths, but this is pretty obvious. We talk a lot in church about the 10%, don't we? You know, are you giving your 10%? That's actually quite Old Testament anyway, but we still talk about it. I mean, it's a good enough um, sort of measure that we can go with. You know, if you give away 10%, God allows you to have the other 90%. I've heard people saying that. Totally disagree with it, but that's what people think. But if we talk about percentages, we have a slight problem when it comes to this parable. Because the first two men, one was given the five talents or bags of gold, and the second one was given the two talents or bags of gold. And when the master comes back, they give back 200%. Which is tricky when it comes to giving, isn't it? You know, I mean, if Monica stands up next Sunday and says, I liked Ian's message. So, um, you know, if you earned 500,000 this month, I'd like you to give back a million. (laughs) Actually, that's quite a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, the church would be doing well. But that's what it says, isn't it? If we look at it like that, the percentages there are 200%. And then we get this third man. And he actually gives back 100%. You know, the master comes back and he says, here it is, this is what is yours. There's your bag of gold, there's your talent back. 100%. He doesn't keep the 90% and give the 10% back, he gives the 100%. And he's the wicked one, which is a problem for most of us. And then I was looking at the parable a little bit more, and I was thinking, okay, is this about percentages? Is this about bags of gold? Maybe it is. And then I realized something. There's one section of this parable that opens up a whole different way of looking at it. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said... I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. How do you view God? I know you struggled with it for many years. We see God in a way that does not match his image. And it's a problem. We see God as some distant and mean master. And we withhold from him things that are rightfully his. This third man, the issue here wasn't about percentages, really. It wasn't about how much he was giving back in terms of that bag of gold. It was about his attitude, his response. 
to the master. He was looking at the master and he was saying, you are a hard man, you are mean. I'm scared of you, I fear you. I'm hiding things from you. That's not good. And yet a lot of us have been there or are there. Okay, we can come to church on Sunday and we can be all religious and we can say the right things and we can raise our hands in worship and we can pray. And yet deep down, our relationship with the Father is skewed. We haven't yet fully understood who he is and the enormous generosity of him and the enormous load of love that he wants to impart into our lives. And therefore, we're not good stewards. Therefore, we hold on to what we have instead of multiplying it, instead of giving it away, instead of being generous with it. As you probably tell, I'm not actually following my notes today. The reason for that, by the way, is I just, <laughs> I was away in Mozambique for a couple of weeks. I thought it would be fairly relaxing. It wasn't. Um, I was invited to do ministry down there. This has got nothing to do with, well, I might have something to do with stewardship. We'll see. But I was away in Mozambique for two weeks. I came back absolutely exhausted um, and found that my desk was rather overloaded. So I'm not as organized as usual. But you see, there is a link there. Um, God wants me to use what he has put in me. Um, I'm the team leader over at Heritage, and I could just say, well, that's a big enough role. That's all I need to do. Um, but then opportunities come to give away a little bit of what he's given me, and one of those was Mozambique. So I went there, and it was a blessing, but it was an exhausting blessing. So we've got this man who has got a skewed image of God, alongside two who recognize what they've been entrusted with. And as a consequence, they think, okay, I've been entrusted with this. What am I going to do with it? How am I going to multiply this? How am I going to make what I've been entrusted with a blessing? And the consequence is that without it being difficult for them, because they have invested it wisely or done business with it or however you might look at it, they are able to come back to the master and say, here it is, and it's doubled. And that's very, very important. And it's not about clever mathematics. It's not about knowing how to work with the bank. It's about knowing who the master is. It's about knowing his heart. It's about knowing that he loves us so deeply that he has our best interests at heart. Therefore, if he's going to give us something, then that is for our good as well. And it's for the good of many because we're part of a family. You started to touch on it, thank you, earlier on. We are part of a family. So if I'm entrusted with something, 
then my natural response to that is how can I share it? Which is quite difficult when we look at what God has given us. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be enough room to store it. Now, so often we take a verse like that and we think, okay, that means that I've got to allocate my 10%, back to percentages again, allocate my 10% and then God will do the rest. But I think it's slightly different to that. Yes, we need to bring our tithe, whatever that might be, whether it's 10% or more. Notice I didn't say 10% or less. <laughs> bring our tithe into the storehouse. But you see, God is actually saying something different here. He's saying, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. As we open our hearts to what God has given us, He wants to expand that by giving so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's not about what we're putting into the storehouse, it's what He's putting there. He's going to have that storehouse overflowing and, you know, whatever is inside pouring out of the doors and out of the windows because it cannot contain it. First Corinthians 4.2, now it's required that those who have been given a trust must move, prove faithful. And then a rather more uncomfortable, 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now we're really getting onto the central part of this and the central part of that parable. Because I said at the beginning, I don't think it's really about the gold bags or the talents. It's about everything. Randy Alcorn seemed to agree with me. So what are the gifts that you have been given? Now, you might immediately think, well, you know, I, I was the service leader today. Well done, by the way. Oh, you've gone. Okay. Um, you know, I, I was the service leader today, so I've used my gift wisely. Patrick was the worship leader. He's gone as well. What's happening in this place? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, everyone, everyone I mentioned has disappeared. It's the rapture. Anyway, um... <laughs> You know, the ones who are up the front, they've all gone. Uh, okay, so, um, yes, we can use our gifting in that way, but aren't we sort of like constraining it and strangling it a little bit because God has given us so much more? Um, going back to my time in Mozambique, um, before I left, I knew that I was preaching on the Sunday so I was able to prepare for that. I knew they wanted me to lead a Bible study about prayer, so I was able to prepare for that. Um, one or two other things that I was able to prepare for. Then when I got to Mozambique, I realized that God had a completely different plan. 
those things still stood, you know, those things were going to happen. But suddenly, I realized that my whole time there was full with meeting people, with praying with people, with having pastoral conversations with people, with leading devotions that I didn't even know existed, leading school chapels that I didn't know the school was there, going and meeting up with the YWAM base in the nearby town and getting involved with what they're doing and things like that. God will, when you are willing to give yourself, he will use you and give you so much more. Um, as I look around, I will be looking at people who are all gifted by God, with no exceptions. Each one of you here, God will have put in you some measure of the gifts that are given to us by His grace. It's all in that verse that I've just looked at. And it says that we should be faithful stewards of those, which means that if your gifting is in worship, it's not just about agreeing to be on the roster. It's about being a person of worship. Having a lifestyle that exudes that worship. If God has put on your heart to pray, that doesn't mean every so often being willing to lead the prayers in the service. It means interceding for those who need to have your prayer. It means being constantly listening to, talking to God in your prayer. If you're given a gift of teaching or preaching, the Bible says, be ready in season and out of season. Now, that doesn't mean that for some months of the year it's, it's the right time to preach and for some months it isn't. It means that on the mornings when you are supposed to be preaching and you realize you haven't planned and you're tired and you haven't had a good morning, that's no excuse. God wants to use you irrespective of your circumstances. He wants you to steward those things that you've been given and multiply them. But it goes much wider than just the gifting. You know, we can get caught up on that. Some of you have got nice homes. Some of you have got cars. Some of you have got money. Um, some of you have got opportunities for people through your businesses. Some of you have just got time to offer to people, to listen to them, to share life with them. And that's all very, very important as well. But I just want to go back a moment to what Randy Alcorn said when I gave that quote earlier. He said, God has entrusted to us life, great, time, I've mentioned that, talents, which could be, you know, our gifting or whatever. Money, mentioned that. Possessions and family and his grace. Now, I want to just focus a moment 
on some of the things that we get wrong. I said that in that parable there were some stewardship mistakes made. Um, the mistake in the parable was the guy who hid his bag of gold and then just brought it back as it was. But there's also the mistakes of not getting the balance right and not understanding what true stewardship is. Because um, I have an advantage, I'll call it an advantage, Alistair's going to disagree with me, I can pick on Alistair because he, I know him and he's sitting here. Now, I have an advantage over Alistair that I'm single. I need to be very careful, <laughs> Harriet's going to bash me afterwards. Uh, now, what do I mean by that? It means that if Monica calls me and says, you know, can you do an extra week in Leboa and I've got a gap in my um, diary, I don't need to consult with anyone. I can say, yep, of course, I'll be on my way over. Um, but Alistair has a family. Now, that family is important. Now, Harriet will withdraw her fist when I say that. She's looking at me really meanly. Now, um, that family is really important. That family is really important. So part of Alistair's stewardship has a dimension that mine does not. Because if you start to neglect your family because you're so spiritual that you're saying yes to Monica asking you to preach every other week, I need to be careful here because Monica is asking you to <laughs> preach every other week, you're not getting the balance right. And the balance in stewardship also, it says uh, that we have time. Yes, we do have time. But if we burn ourselves out by using that time, we have nothing else to give. Now, for those of you with a long memory who were here a few weeks back, um, will remember I was actually talking about the living water, um, the woman at the well. And there was something very important about that, and that was that we need to be continually filled. We need to be continually receiving back from God. And that's part of our stewardship of time. Because if we have this compulsion that every minute of every day we should be giving out of our gifting through ministry, and I know people who do have this approach to it, what you'll end up with is problems with the family, because they'll be saying, well, when have you got time for me? You might have problems with your business because you're not actually giving it the attention that you want. You might be having problems with your boss at work because he's saying your attention seems to be elsewhere and you're coming to work looking very tired. And you'll end up so dry that you have nothing to give anyway. I won't expand on that because I talked about it before. So stewardship, I said at the beginning, is much wider. It's looking at everything that God has given us, looking at how we can multiply it, looking at how we can be generous with it, but also looking at how to get the balance right so that we are able to be the loving human beings that God wants us to be. Um, I've met people in full-time ministry who don't actually seem to be very loving. They're very busy. And they're very committed, they're often very religious, but there isn't sort of a lot of love in them. And it's actually probably because they've got the balance wrong. I've got a quote here from William Carey, you might have heard of him. I was once young and now I'm old, but not once 
have I been witness to God's failure to supply my need when first I had given for the furtherance of his work. He has never failed in his promise, so I cannot fail in my service to him. What Carey is realizing here is that God's giving to us is unfailing, but we have to be relying on him and looking to him. Um, very often when we start to feel like, you know, our faith is failing, it's because we've lost sight of who God is. And this is touching back on your testimony again. Part of how we need to respond to what God has given us is recognizing the giver. And Carey's kind of got that right. Now, he was saying he, he was able to give out and give out and give out, but he was able to give out because he could see how God was giving to him. He could see that God had never failed in his promise. And therefore, he didn't want to fail in his service to him. Going back to, you know, picking on Alistair earlier on, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, it says in Timothy, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. How we balance out what we have is important when it looks at all those things, our budgets, our how we live, everything. I need to just keep, okay, I've got a few minutes. I feel it would be remiss to kind of look at stewardship and not briefly talk about the creation that we were singing about earlier on. God has given us the world around us, the planet that we live on, in a way that makes us stewards of everything that we see around us. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now we need to be careful about the language here. Um, rule over and subdue it, it sounds a bit draconian. But actually, if you look at those words and really understand what they're talking about, it says, steward what is around us. John Muir said this, when one tugs at a single thing in nature, he finds it attached to the rest of the world. How we steward the beautiful planet that God has given us that we were singing about earlier on, um, it's kind of a hot topic at the moment, no pun intended, when global warming and climate change are at the top of the news agenda. How have we handled this, or how have we failed as Christians? I've actually heard Christians say there's no need to worry about things like climate change and global warming because the planet is doomed anyway and God will make a new one. 
I think that's missed the point. I think that's missed the point completely. If we've been given the responsibility to steward the resources that God has given us, that does include the planet. It does include the forests. It does include what we pollute and what we don't pollute. I think in the general analysis, we've done pretty badly. We haven't looked after the beautiful planet that God has given us. In fact, we've done quite a lot to destroy it. And, you know, we've, we've, we've helped a few species come to the point of extinction. I've got a feeling if God had wanted us to steward the planet by cutting it down, burning it and killing it, he would have probably said so. So to round things up, because we are running out of time, I think when we look at a parable like that one in Matthew that talks about that multiplication and increase in what God has given us, it gives us a huge responsibility because it's not just about our life in church. It's not just about our family. It's not just about our job or our business. Or it's not just about saving the planet or at least looking after it. It's about all of those. I think that we are perfectly placed as Christians to look much, much wider than we do at the moment. Take the blinkers off our eyes and say, what does God want me to do with my life in this world that he has placed me in? What does he want me to have a voice in? Have I neglected responsibilities that he has put in my path? Have I said no to things that I should have said yes to? And if the master came back tomorrow, would I be saying, here it is, I've doubled what you gave me? Or are we going to look at him and say, I was kind of scared and I kind of hid. I didn't really do very much, so here I am. No increase, no multiplication. God wants us to do something with our lives. And if he's speaking to you and he's showing you what he wants you to do, then there's actually no time to waste. Because we're only here for a little while. We don't know when the master's coming back or we don't know when we're going to meet him because we might go back and find him before he's ready to come and find us. He needs us to steward what we have been given. And he's doing that not because he's driving us, not because he's forcing us, but 
because he loves us dearly. And he wants that love that he is pouring out into our lives to overflow into everyone and everything that is around us. Because that's who he is. That's his nature. Shall we pray? Father, we know that you have given so much to us in so many different ways. We know that you've gifted us. We know that you've given us material resources. We know that you have given us families and relationships that are valuable to you. And we know that you want us to build and increase and multiply and look after what you've entrusted us with. Help us to see it through your eyes. Help us to understand how you want us to use the things that we have in our hands. And most of all, help us to see how big your love is for us, how much you care for us and how much you care for this planet that you created and the sheep that you put on that planet, which is us. Father, help us to be good stewards. In Jesus' name, amen.